I enjoy the roller coaster atmosphere of the, of being a startup because there are high highs and low lows, you know. So I, I enjoy the, the thrill of the, the high and lows and, uh, and the challenge, you know, we're building something, uh, something new. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Leomitech, sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, Opus Labs, Synergy Global, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, Birthright Excel, Serona Partners, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Meet Bensi Benatar, the Chief Marketing Officer of Sepio and one of its co-founders. He has a strong intelligence community background and over 25 years of experience winning multiple professional and innovation awards. Further, Bensi has a BSc in electrical engineering and is an MBA graduate. He is a hardware security expert as well as an expert on rogue device detection, supply chain attacks, internal abusers, and is a leader in zero trust hardware access. Bensi Benatar leads Sepio's marketing activities and boosts Sepio's brand awareness. Cyber is uh, obviously huge in our world. It's going to become even uh, more prominent in our world, I believe, and a lot of other believe as well, you know, in the coming years. And we're just starting to see the importance of it. Um, and what you're doing with Sepio is super, super interesting. You know, we're talking about cybersecurity, we're talking about monitoring, and we're talking about understanding, you know, these things both on a, on a, on a network level, on a company level for enterprises. And so I'm, I'm really interested in hearing both your personal journey leading up to Sepio and these insights that have led you here, as well as what you're actually doing with Sepio today. So, so Betsy, thank you so much for joining me. Great. So, um, so let me, let me share some of, uh, some of the experience and some of the history that actually brought us, uh, myself and my partners to this uh, very unique domain. Please. Uh, so we, the group of founders, we're actually working together for almost, I think, 30 years now. We've started out wow. uh, as an academic reserve uh, in 8200. And uh, since then, we've been uh, working together on, uh, on various, uh, various companies. Actually, Sepio is our third cybersecurity company together. So the first two were successfully acquired by NASDAQ traded companies. And when, we, uh, when we've decided to go on our, uh, a, our next endeavor on, the, on Sepio, we've actually kind of looked into the market and said, okay, we're, we're too old to do uh, big data. We're too old to do all those uh, flashy buzzwords. Uh, but what we do know is we we know networking to uh, to a great intimacy. We've built layer two switches. We've built network tabs. We've been all around these rogue, a uh, rogue devices all uh, in and out from uh, from our previous careers, and uh, we've identified that uh, this domain is uh, is lacking the required technology and required measures in order to. Uh, detect those rogue devices and those hardware-based campaigns. And uh, we've seen through, uh, throughout the years that this domain, which was uh, previously one perceived just as a you know, spy business, you know, just like FSV and uh, you know, uh, NSA tools and Mossad and all the MI6 and all of that, <laughs> sorry, it is no longer the case because the cybercrime syndicate and even the average Joe can have the same state-level capabilities with regards to hardware attack tools as a, as a you know, well-financed uh, agency. 
Mm-hmm. And due to the fact that you use a an attack vehicle that existing cybersecurity product uh, didn't take into consideration, allows the attacker to bypass a lot of the security measures because they've assumed a certain things. So they've assumed that when they will look into the traffic, they will uh, they will catch you or they will you know detect the anomaly in traffic or things like that. But what happens if you're a, you're a passive tap or you're a or a non-minute switch up that doesn't have any layer two presence whatsoever. What happens if you're using a device that completely impersonates uh, a legitimate device, even if it's a simple device like a keyboard or a mouse? Uh, these vulnerabilities and these kind of blind spots within the existing infrastructure is something that attackers are uh, are happily exploiting, and uh, you know with with great uh, with great success on over multiple domains. It could be critical infrastructures, it could be ATM attacks, it could be financial uh, swift transaction attacks. Uh, you know, hardware attacks actually applies to a variety of uh, variety of domains. And the fact or the uh, that people are moving into cloud environment, you know, doesn't uh, minimize the the effect of this uh, problem. Actually, it uh, it is even it intensifies because even if you work in, you know, in your home or from a shared space and you have a, uh, you have your cloud uh, infrastructure in place, you still use your keyboard and you're still using your mouse in order to navigate and, uh, and run your command. So uh, a qualified attacker will easily log your keystrokes, take screenshots of your, uh, of your enterprise uh, confidential data, and then he will use that to run a a data leakage uh, ransomware attack, or even a, a, a data encryption attacks. This is something that is happening more and more. And but this is obviously a problem yeah. that you're describing that is, first of all, critical, no question about that. But it's also something that I'm, I'm assuming is not new, right? I mean, we've been, you know, we, I'm sure that this is a problem that we've been facing for, for a few decades by now. You know, and, and why why is why aren't we more advanced than what you're describing? Where the average the, the average person has the same capabilities as you know enterprises in terms of getting these securities. Well, so there there are several reasons for that. Uh, the first is that hardware hardware based attacks obviously uh, require some physical uh, contact or some physical proximity to the victims. And in most cases, it will be a pinpointed attack. So you will go after a certain bank or after a certain uh, power plant. So the the targets will be very pinpointed. And once they are attacked, they they are very reluctant to share the fact that they've been breached over their cyber uh, physical security. And you know we know of dozens and dozens of incidents that didn't meet the public, didn't get to the public eye. Because these are not events like you know Solaris or or you know those massive Lock for J, you know campaigns or right. things like that. Uh, you hear about it, you know, when there was a NASA JPL that was under Senate inquiry. Then you know you got some data there. You got some uh, data from uh, Stuxnet, which was a supply chain attack. So they're like very unique attacks that uh, usually are kept well uh, well hidden. And uh, the fact is that because none of the existing uh, security products can uh, can detect those attacks, so you don't have those kind of flashy, you know, animation of attacks coming out from China and targeting East Coast and West Coast and back going back and forth. So uh, you know, from the CISO perspective, this is a problem that appears in Mr. Robot. <laughs> it appears on Mission Impossible. 
or uh, or James Bond. So uh, you know, it, he would ask himself, "Oh, I'm I'm not of interest." That's usually a pushback that we get. I'm not of interest to anyone, and you know, it's always the other way around. If you have something that uh, that is of value, it could be your a customer database, it could be your IP, it could be um, transactions that someone can carry on your behalf. You have valuable data. Someone, if they will find a, a, an easy way, will go for it. Amazing. So I, it, it sounds like what you're describing here is sort of internet cybersecurity of maybe you know, 15 or 20 years ago when it was just starting out and people would say, okay, but why, why would I, you know, it started out as perhaps very specific attacks on specific organizations. And then a lot of these, a lot of these, um, you know, loopholes were found in a more generic level, especially as SaaS continued. And, and what you're describing is sort of a maturity of understanding of, okay, how does this actually happen and how do we defend against it? And what you're describing also is that currently a lot of these organizations are kind of helpless against these attacks, right? And part of it is because of the lack of attention that, that we as CISOs may be giving to the, the, the wanting or the interest of others to attack us, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, misconceptions and, um, you know, some of the misconceptions are, you know, are, are us to blame for, you know, the, the industry, because uh, for example, the term rogue, uh, rogue device. Okay. So if you will go over, you know, the companies that are using the term rogue devices, so every company takes, uh, you know, uh, its own approach about what defies a rogue device. One could define it, you know, a device that operates layer three and above, or sometimes it's an application, or sometimes it's, it's something in layer two. Uh, so the fact that you, as a as a CISO, you buy a, you know, a solution that, you know, on the brochure promised you to handle and mitigate rogue devices, then, you know, you feel comfortable that saying, oh, I have this covered. Or if you buy a next solution and, you know, they, they promise you the, you know, the sky, um, and then, uh, you, you're certain that if someone plugs in an unminute switch up, you will see this like, you know, like this, and it's not the case. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a lot of misconceptions, especially with everything that has to do with USB devices. This is something that still puzzles me. You know, USB vulnerabilities are being, you know, for decades, probably the, the oldest, you know, malicious type of interface. And, uh, obviously endpoint security, EDR solution, XDR, they all handle a USB to some extent, some of them even have, you know, say we have a, a bad USB module. And when you go into a CISO and you ask him, okay, do you, uh, what is your USB policy? And then he would say, oh, well, we do not allow USB devices. And when, when, you know, we'll ask him, okay, how do you type? How do you navigate? Uh, he say, oh, you, a keyboard and a mouse. And how are they connected? Oh, then that's through a USB. So for some unknown reasons, uh, the the keyboard and mouse are treated differently than uh, other, you know, USB mass storage, which is, you know, most DLP and input security wheel bug cameras and so on. And obviously, if this is uh, the device that is allowed to connect, guess where the attackers will target? They'll target the mouse and uh, and and keyboards. And that's, you know, why so uh, so many attack tools coming out from Hack5 or uh, a OG cables, Ninja cables, they all you know, take on the same, uh, uh, on the same item of, of impersonating as an HID device. Right. So if you're looking now on a company and, and I'm specifically curious about your own position, you're, you're co-founder, but you're also the chief marketing officer, a, a different role than what I've seen you've held previously transitioning, you know, from more very technical CTO level 
to now more of the marketing and, and understanding the market and focusing on that. What, what made you decide to make that personal switch and, and what you're dealing with in the day to day? So first of all, it's, uh, it's because of two things. First of all, it's, uh, it's a challenge. I, I love, I love the challenge. And, uh, I think that, uh, in order to, uh, to bring this new concept, this new, uh, term of uh, zero trust hardware access into the market, you need to come with some, uh, you know, qualification and the level of professional. So people will listen because, you know, at, uh, at the beginning, it was like, you know, trench uh, war, you know, we, we had to, uh, to persuade people that this is an issue. You had to, uh, do a lot of what I call, you know, the, the awareness campaign through analysts and through, uh, a key stakeholders and you have to convince them and you can only do that by having, you know, the, the relevant and, and data and information and qualification, because if you, you, you wouldn't have, then you've been brushed off, you know what I mean? Saying, oh, we have that covered. It's not a problem. And, and then you need someone as a counterweight and, uh, going back to my earlier comment, you know, we've, uh, we've been working as a group of founders and, you know, each uh, one of us is a piece of the puzzle. Uh, so one acts as the CEO and the other is the, you know, at the beginning was the, uh, responsible for the engineering product. So, you know, we were like a team and each one has its own uh, strengths. So, uh, you know, I happily took this, uh, this challenge uh, upon myself. I love it. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, but the, I'm sure that the technology is fascinating to you, but specifically because we're talking about a market education piece and uh, I'm, I'm specifically interested about go to market and marketing for, for a company like this. What, what have you been observing that works really well with sort of educating the market on, on a need even for a solution like this? Because at the end you're, you're, you're talking about taking somebody who may not be ready to, to, to accept it, you know, as a technologist and as an entrepreneur, that this is something that they probably need. How do you go that mile to get them to where you're saying things? Yeah. So, uh, so obviously you, you have to have the first wins and, uh, that you could uh, then use as references and those will be your ambassadors for it, for educating the market, because, uh, you know, one man can, you know, can have all the limited outreach, you know, there are only certain hours of the day. So if you're selling, you're able to convince five, then those fives become your ambassadors of, uh, of hardware access control, then that would be, that would be great. Now, in order to find those, uh, those first uh, early adopters, then you need to look for those very unique, uh, unique CISOs, um, because, uh, I've kind of categorized the CISOs as the the evangelizing CISOs, those are the one who, you know, they get it. They really get it. They, uh, they understand the risk. They're, they're not a, afraid of, uh, of experimenting, even when the, with younger uh, startups, and they happily adopt the, the solution once you prove them, uh, the value and, uh, the other, the other kind will be the followers that they will look up to the, uh, evangelizing CISO. They will see that they are uh, doing well, and then they will follow their footprints and there's the, a lot of cut, cut and paste uh, CISO that, you know, they, they'll buy whatever the others are buying. So if you have to have kind of grocery list of uh, one input security, one DLP, one NAG, so they'll, uh, they'll go with, you know, kind of a organized list. So we've started with the, uh, with the evangelizing CISOs and we were fortunate enough to, uh, 
to have some of the most intelligent professional CISOs that uh, we came to meet in our long career. And uh, once they've adopted it, and they've, some of them, you know, ran an organization like, you know, 50,000 employees, 20,000 employees, which for a, for a, a young startup in its first year to get a customer of that scale is, is, is phenomenal, especially if it's uh, something coming out from the financial, which is more uh, heavy on logistics and bureaucracy. And once we got these, uh, these reference, then, you know, they've actually took us by the end to their peers and to their colleagues. And we've kind of propagated, uh, through there, you know, as, uh, as the years, uh, you know, moved on, we, there were more incidents, there were more, uh, people arguing uh, for this domain. So now Gartner has this, uh, domain, which is, uh, cyber physical security, which deals with the. Uh, this entire concept of hardware-based attacks and supply chain and their regulations like Section 889 in the U.S. and uh, and the FCC, Telecom Bill. There's a lot of uh, work being done around this. There was obviously the Bloomberg service. So there's a lot of, you know, backwind to, uh, to what we're doing. And if like three years ago, I had to explain, is this problem really happening? Is this stuff really happening or is it just, you know, self-made story? Uh, then this is no longer the case. People are responsive and uh, yeah, we see that in our business results. So what it sounds to me is that you, you, you have a strategy for how do you take a market that is right now still uh, pretty young uh, or it's in its infancy of understanding and you're saying, okay, we, we're, it's, we still believe it's a problem, can still start selling it and we'll get a validation through some, some strong partners that are working with us initially for the validation. But we have to understand that parallel to us, the, the world is getting educated with or without us in this matter. And so over time, our marketing strategy is actually going to become a little bit easier or more trivial for, for the world to understand because a lot of this extra education that we have to do, it's getting solved by this parallel path that the world is on, right? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, besides the marketing, the, the, the sales activities are, are completely different because, yep. you know, because you're not selling endpoint security number 17, then, you know, the the people that you need in order to sell your product are more of a kind of a, even entrepreneur in, in, in nature, like BizDev type of oriented uh, RSM so that, you know, they could uh, find their way in and, and explain the problem and find those opportunities. And, and only when, once we get that opportunity secured, then we could bring in, you know, the standard, uh, you know, resellers and distributors to actually go and, and run the logistics of the deal. Incredible, incredible. What is the part, you know, you've been doing this for a while and you've been cybersecurity veteran for many years, continuing to build a new company now, uh, which has been running for some time, but, but still deciding to go on to, on yet another company journey. What, where's the thrill for you? What, what do you enjoy most about this whole thing? So I think that, uh, I enjoy the roller coaster atmosphere of, uh, of being a startup because there are a high highs and low lows, you know, they're like weeks that, you know, you, you know, you, you don't want to get out of bed because it's been such a, such a horrible week because, you know, you something that you've been working on or a, a, a submission for a certain uh, award that didn't come through or something like that, uh, or a, a campaign that, you know, didn't bring the good result. Uh, so you have those lows, but on the other hand, you have, you know, when you do get those, say, uh, high highs of, uh, of winning and obtaining customers and. You get good feedbacks on a, on a piece of uh, content that you've uh, created, whether it's a video or a, 
or someone said, oh, I, wrote, I read your white paper and I thought it was, say, it was great. Um, so I, I enjoy the, the thrill of uh, that high and lows and, uh, and the challenge, you know, we're building something, uh, something new. We're not cut and pasting anything. Uh, we're inventing a new domain, which is uh, a nightmare SEO wise, uh, because, you know, probably not a lot of people are looking for a hardware access control, but we're changing that and, uh, and we'll succeed. You know, we we're originally Israeli, so there's no, like, can't do it uh, attitude. It's all, you know, it's just a matter of time when we're going to, we're going to succeed. I love it. I love it. Betsy, I really want to thank you for time and the energy, 20 minutes go by very, very fast. And, uh, and I'm really thankful for, for, you know, for, for the work and for, for the time that you've spent here. And uh, I learned a lot myself. So thank you very much. And best of luck with set PR. Stay thank safe you. and stay healthy. 